Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Topical Brainstorm. I'm here again with Christian. How's it going? It's going good. Good. Uh, we also have a guest today. A very, Would you like to? Very knowledgeable, professional guest. Yes. A psychologist, well, we, psychologist in the field of habit forming. <laughs> we have no other people on other than professionals. <laughs> Uh, go ahead, introduce yourself. Yeah, okay. Well, thanks, you guys. Uh, I'm Tanner. I'm Christian's brother-in-law. And I have also read Atomic Habits and enjoy this book a lot. I am no novice when it comes to habit forming because of this book. No. I like it. There we go. You said um once, though. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We're, we're both working on the ums. <laughs> we're working uh, on all of it. I had just listened to your guys' last episode where you just talked about the filler language you use. That's what I, I just ran into that same problem where I am also using filler language all the time. And so when I was listening to that, I was like, well, I'm going to go into this episode today and I'm just going to say, um, and all that. Yep. <laughs> um, you're not, you're, you're an engineer, right? You're, you're not. Obviously, you're not actually a psychologist. That was a joke. No, if that was a joke, went yeah. over I'm people's heads. <laughs> you're a chemi- chemical engineer. Mechanical. Mechanical. Okay. Cool. 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 And- uh, does that count as filler language if you say "cool, cool, cool"? I'm gonna let that one be allowable. Okay. Awesome. I'm cool. You know what uh, my wife told me? <laughs> She's like, you used egregious an egregious amount of times. <laughs> it's you pretty did. funny. You did. At least it's not a copious amount of times, you know. Like, there we go. Copious. The third time you used the word egregious on Friday, my mind was screaming, this is egregious! <laughs> like, oh, <God>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, so today, do you have any stats on our filler language? Uh, no. From last time, I did not. No, I did not keep track. Although I feel like I did a much better job, and I feel like I spent more time editing out your filler words than mine. So wow, I'm just gonna, okay. I, I'm only saying that because maybe I'm not that much worse than you are on average. I think that was maybe a fluky episode. I'm probably still worse than you, but just uh, trying to regain a little bit of self-respect with my public speaking skills. All right. All right. Works for me. Uh, we'll just jump right into the uh, the meat of this episode then. Yeah. So the law we're going over today is make it attractive or make it unattractive. And Tanner, what are your thoughts? Just just start us off. All right, yeah. So I I like this section, make it attractive, make it unattractive, because I uh, there's well, there's a lot of habits I think everyone wants to get rid of, as well as habits they want to trigger and like to have in their lives. And making it attractive is is crucial. I mean, it's it's part of the whole. If you want to make something stick, you got to like it. You know. And I like that. That's one of the first things he talks about. He says animals, they, they do come in with their, um, they have a bunch of instinctual 
behaviors that they have just based upon the rewards that they get from it, like the things that are attractive to them. I think he talks about, if I'm right, it's like a, he talks about a mouse poking their head in a box over and over again. And he has like a little trigger with that where um, they get a shot of dopamine when they put their head through the box. And so the mice eventually started to just poke their head in the box many, many times because they were just getting that shot of dopamine every time they did it. I think it's the same way with our habits. Uh, personally, one that I, I've gotten myself to get better at because of that, that same method is I, I'm a huge sweets fan. Like I, I love everything sweet. I love candy. I love ice cream, all that. I, I'm a big sucker for sweet things. And so often to motivate myself, it's not the healthiest, but it was, it's a habit that I've learned to get more in control is that I would give myself, I promised myself I could have a scoop of ice cream or something. If I get through this amount of homework, or if I, I, if I read my scriptures or I, I play the guitar and after I do the thing that I'm not quite as excited to do, it becomes more exciting because I know what I'm going to get after I, I do that one thing. I think he talks about that strategy in this section as well. Temptation bundling, right? Where you pair something you need to do with something you really want to do. And yeah, maybe ice cream isn't ideal, but I get it. I love ice cream too. So. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Garrett. Uh, I was just going to build upon that dopamine thing. Uh, these, this whole section is just about, uh, it's all evolutionary biology and about how habits all go back to fulfilling something that our ancestors absolutely needed to survive, whether that be acceptance from, from the tribe so you can share resources or just pretty pretty much all of our habits touch somehow on the a deeper evolutionary trigger, uh, which I found really really interesting. Yeah, and yeah, one that surprised me there was the video game one. I've never been. I've never been addicted to video games, but I definitely see the appeal. And I never really thought about it, but it, it gives you a sense of accomplishment. It gives you a sense of, you know, conquering or, or whatever it is. And that really is just a false. Um, what's the word? Just like a it's useless a replacement. Yeah. False fulfillment. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of achieving something that really matters in real life. Right. Um, and, right. and with social media, it's, it's, you feel like you're connecting with people, but you're really not. Um, you're just watching other people connecting with other people. <laughs> yeah. Or just lying about themselves, you know? So, right. yeah, I found that really interesting. And another thing, going back to that example of, the mouse sticking its head in a box to get a dopamine surge. They would do it. I think he said 600 times an hour if there was unlimited amounts of, of dopamine. And he connected that to eventually you start responding or doing the action or okay. As eventually you start getting that dopamine hit on the cue instead of after the response. Again, going back to that cycle of cue, craving, response, reward. 
And he uses the example of if you're addicted to cocaine, your dopamine peaks when you see the cocaine, not even when you are taking the cocaine, right? And I think that's an important thing to understand and recognize in, in your life because, Tanner, you probably see the ice cream get out of the freezer and that's when your dopamine hits the highest. And I use you as an example, but I'm with you there. I have the same issue. So, <laughs> and Back in college, yeah, I'll admit it. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, Garrett. I would go and just buy like tubs of ice cream. Yeah. Maybe we all would. <laughs> I've I've gotten into that habit recently. <laughs> well, I'm I, glad I can relate with someone, Gary, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can go buy the great value brand. It's like dirt cheap. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a dollar it's still cheap. It's like a dollar ninety nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the few things that has retained its low value. <laughs> yeah, in this market. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the habits that Kylie helped me break is because she buys, she wants the good ice cream. So it's like six bucks. I was like, this is too much money. Mm. <laughs> so I can't eat it really, really fast and feel, I feel like I'm wasting money if I eat it too fast, you know? Yeah. And I also have to share it with someone. So I can't just binge a whole carton of ice cream without getting my wife upset at me. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the lessons we learn. <laughs> but I think, yeah, a lesson there is, if you think you really want ice cream or you really want to play video games, your dopamine is probably peaking there if you have a strong habit of doing those, if a strong bad habit. And I think recognizing that and recognizing, oh, it's not going to get better once I start playing. I'm just going to later feel regret. You know, if it really is a bad habit that you're trying to break, not saying that ice cream is always a bad habit, but. I think it's important to recognize that pattern in your brain and that can be pretty powerful in trying to beat a bad habit or using that knowledge to reward yourself to build a good habit. Yeah. And again, just I'd like to point out that the uh, the liking sweets thing, that's super evolutionary because back then those resources were super coveted and sweet we associated with things that uh, our body needed mm-hmm. and because it was so rare um, it's very easy to to make a habit and become addicted to things that are really sweet yeah I'm going ahead with that too just talking about the dopamine I what I think is you're right like that's really true like that we have all like evolutionary back in that time like there was there was a time where we that fats and sweet were like way more uh, rare and our bodies are still like, they still think it's rare sometimes. So it's just has that, that dopamine surge when you see it. Uh, I was going to talk a little about the, the bundling you can do with this too, the temptation bundling that he calls it. And it's where you can take these, um, these things that are attractive to you, these things that are, that help you to be motivated things that give you that dopamine spike and then use it to get yourself to do something you don't always want to do. Uh, for a short while. And I, I want to start doing this again, but I enjoy myself. Uh, I have a hobby of playing video games here and there. And sometimes for, like, to get myself to do something while I'm playing the video game, I once got an exercise bike my sister had had in the house, and I just put it in front of the TV. And in order to play the game, I had to like get on the bike and start, and start moving my legs and start, start going on it. And after I'd been going on it for five minutes, I allowed myself to start playing. But as soon as I stopped, stopped moving my legs, then I had to stop playing. 
And it was it was a really good like bundle because I wanted to play the video game. I wanted to get on it, but I also wanted to be I also want to be more fit. I want to take care of my health. So I decided to try to bundle the two and it worked for really quite a while. I've not done it in a little bit, and so I needed to be better about that. But I did get the habit going for like a month. So that's something I thought about with the temptation bundle. It was like, yeah, like getting something, getting yourself to do something you need to do with something that you want to do. Yeah. I think that's a huge, if, if you can do that, I mean, you can basically, there's a basically, wow. <laughs> Already. <laughs> 12 minutes in. All right. Um, you can do anything that you want, though. You can break any habit. You can build any habit if you can successfully bundle it mm-hmm. with something that you really want to do. Uh, I was trying to think of something that I'd like to bundle. I haven't had a, enough time to think about it yet. Have you thought of any bundling for yourself, Christian? I also like that idea, and I think he has a very similar example in the book of a guy who actually engineered his Netflix to only run when he was going at you know ten miles an hour on the bike or whatever, which is a really good idea. Um, I I like that idea as well, and sometimes I try to where I was like, okay, I'll turn on a twenty minute episode of The Office, but I have to get a certain number of push ups or whatever done during that twenty minutes, and. A lot of times it works for the first episode, but then I'd sit on the couch for another hour and just watch TV. So that's that's one I I uh, I also need to brainstorm and come up with a good one. Yeah, I'm sorry to add another quick thought to that because I have something that's actually pretty relatable. Uh, Sarah and I we uh, we have the student account for Hulu, and with the student account of Hulu, you get these like three minute ads sometimes just in the middle of your episode. And so we, we would watch a show and anytime and like that day, if we had not gone out and gone for a run or exercise, uh, Sarah would often talk to me and say like, Hey, like when this ad comes up, we're going to do like this many crunches or we're going to do this, this many pushups. And every single ad, like we, we did that similar thing. Like every time an ad came up, we had to like start doing that while we, we while we waited for the show to come back on. That's, and, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Except Netflix doesn't have commercials. Yeah, Netflix is out. That's the, that's the hard part. <laughs> Netflix is out of commercials, so you can see you're out of luck there. But <laughs> that is that's a good idea, though. One other, I think the temptation bundling thing is is really powerful, especially on those days where you just haven't gotten anything done. <laughs> yeah, so everybody has those days where just motivation is so low. Maybe you're down about something, and you just have not gotten anything productive done in eight hours or whatever. And I think the idea of doing even one thing that that organizes your life or one thing you know you need to get done and then rewarding yourself for it, even if it's something small and your reward is a big bowl of ice cream, <laughs> like that's at least a step in the right direction in a lot of ways just to, to get something done. So even on your worst days, and even if it's not necessarily a habit, but a one-time thing, I think that idea of rewarding yourself for doing something you didn't want to do, it has a lot of power. Especially if you were going to eat that bowl of ice cream anyway, you know? That's, that's true. That's a I real mean, good point. That is a very good point. On days like that, you probably were going to. So. <laughs> yeah. That's a good so, point. well, let's hop into that next chapter then and talk about social norms and the role your family uh, plays in your habits and the way you, you 
you grow up. I find this really interesting because a lot of times at some point when you move away from home, you find out that something you do is really weird. <laughs> that is apparently not normal, but it's just something your family always does and always has done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> like, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's just weird. Yeah. yeah. I, I come from a very weird family too, Gary. I've, <laughs> my family does a lot of strange things. And I, even like, <laughs> even when I uh, started living with roommates, it was prevalent how much, like how weird things were, were that I did. I was like, oh, I guess no one else does this after they shower or, you know, things like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't, I I was trying to think of something that Christian does that's really weird. The only thing I can think of is you used to say like tooch a lot. <laughs> You'd be like, just yeah. a tooch, like just a little bit. And I'm like, that is not a word, man. You know, my dad, I don't know where my dad got that, but he always said that growing up. And so I just thought it was a real word, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's even funnier that you like went and your dad, like, you asked your dad at some point, and he's like, yeah, that's not a word. <laughs> Thanks, dad. Yeah. yeah. A lot. But I used to use the term, uh, like, get shafted a lot. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, oh, I got so shafted. And you and Luke made fun of me for reasons we're not going to talk about. Well, But, I mean, <laughs> use your imagination. You can probably figure it out. And then uh, I think your dad at one point used that same term. Yeah, he did. And he which vindicated me. (laughs) It was also Garrett, just the frequency with which you use that term while playing usually Mario Kart. You were just terrible. And uh, yeah, I was not good at that game. It was funny. It was also very funny when suddenly my dad said it. I was like, I've only ever heard Garrett say that. Suddenly my dad's saying it. I've never heard your dad say that. And I've, oh, yeah, he like, doesn't, I don't think he says it very often, but that was, that was very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Our family, well, the weird word we had was, I don't know if you guys, you, you know what a glove box is obviously in the car. We always called that the jockey box. I don't dude, know where my, that even. I've heard that. Michaela does the same thing. I'm like, what, what is a jockey box? Like. It must have come from like back in the day when they literally had like horse jockeys, right? Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm like, he got a small horse rider in there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The constant. But, I, don't know. I have heard that one before, but yeah, it, it was called the glove box. Sarah, Sarah made fun of me really hard for that one. I, <laughs> I was like, can you grab this out of the jockey box? And she's like, what is a jockey box? I'm like, you know, it's the box by the right side of the car. And she's like, the glove box? I'm like, no, it's the jockey box. And, had a heated argument. I found I was wrong about 10 minutes later. So, I mean, I wouldn't say you were wrong. <laughs> I Googled it. And it was just, yeah, was, people never, people don't call it that. <laughs> uh, okay. well, again, though, this goes back to the, the role that your family plays in growing up and when you form your habits, which is, I mean, he gives this example of this family that wanted their kids to be chess prodigies. So they raised their kids to be these chess prodigies, and it worked. That just tells me that you can shape any habits you want if you do it the right way, especially with young kids, you know? Yeah. That was a pretty crazy example. Yeah, that was nuts. Going to that whole nature versus nurture debate, you know? Yeah. 
it's that's wild. Yeah. And that really that really gives me hope that like any any kid can make it. You know? Mm-hmm. Any kid can be okay. Obviously there are diseases and, and conditions that people can be born with, but but like anybody can learn to work hard. Or anybody yeah. can, can, you know. Well, especially cool. any kid in the right environment can succeed. I yeah. think the unfair part is a lot of times people aren't in the right environment. And there's really, I don't see a fair way to change that because you can't just, you can't make everyone grow up the same. You just can't. No, yeah. you can't. Which, you know, that brings it to the point of, you're right, it's like, it's your environment you're brought in, it's the culture around you that kind of shapes what kind of habits you're going to form. And I I noticed in my own life, there there's ways that you can, you can find different cultures, there's ways to insert yourself in a place, like an environment that can help you to be better at your habits or to, get, or to develop certain habits you want. I, I right now I downloaded a phone an app on my phone. It's a it's a, uh, it's a running app, but it's made for those who who have the hobby of video games who enjoy playing it. And it's basically after you go a certain like every day you can walk up to like fourteen thousand steps that it counts for. And in those steps, like if you every milestone you hit, you get points that you can use to then redeem for a free gift card to a game nice. store on there. And it's nice because it's I've, it's a community that you join because when you join the app, you have to join like a big group of people that you're randomly put in and they all like cheer each other on. They get you to run, they get you to work out, which stereotypically in the in a gamer community, uh, people don't really work out much. It's usually you can you usually associate that with people that are on their butts all day. Right. And I, I like to find that community because it, it combined the, the culture, which I already had in myself, a, a, a habit that I already stuck with, with a more healthier habit to enforce um to, to make myself better so yeah that's interesting i wouldn't have thought an app like that existed but it's it's kind of like that pokemon go yeah yeah really pokemon try, go try did to it to people, people right yeah. <laughs> it's a good idea and in this chapter he specifically mentions a few groups that have a big influence on you on us he talks about the people we're close to the big groups the many and the powerful, powerful people. So the close, the many, and the powerful. And how those groups can have a huge impact on your life, your behavior, and your habits. And one example that came to mind thinking of that was just my cross-country team and track team in high school. Uh, I was pretty close with a lot of those guys, and it was a decent-sized group. And... In high school, I really thought I was a person who just loved to run, you know? I loved to run. It was really easy. It was really enjoyable. But ever since I left that environment, I still think I love to run, but I I don't think I really love to run because I don't do it very often. Yeah. Um, And being around, being in that environment with that group, it was so easy to be active and to run every day and to work on, you know, making breaking my personal records and and all that stuff that I really loved at the time. Now that was a good example of, yeah, just how a group, how a group of people who are close to you or a big group can have a huge impact on, on, you know, who you think you are and your habits. Yeah. Well, I, I really like Tanner's example because anytime you can find a group where you have a common goal, 
but you already have something in common, it makes it that much easier. Uh, and all three groups that you, you mentioned, the close, the many, and the powerful, they all play a role in what we call social norms. And these social norms are also evolutionary. They're, I mean, they're, I, I don't, I don't want to go as far to say that they're straight up biological, but they're super evolutionary. Uh, and a lot of the, the social norms that we have, even though they're disliked are there and have an underlying evolutionary purpose, which I found really interesting especially considering the fact that a lot of social norms people just hate. I don't know. What did, did you guys have any thoughts on that? What do you mean? Give us an example. What's a social norm that people hate? I don't so, know you exactly there. For example, and uh, let's say a social norm back in the day would be men work and then women stay home with with children. I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just saying that that was a social norm. And now it seems like that is is hated upon. So that's an example. However, if you look at it, there are evolutionary reasons for why that was the case. Yeah, and, and I would I would make the argument that it's still a, a pretty big minority of people who who would hate that system. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe hate is a strong word. Yeah, but well, I also feel like social norms they obviously change. Yeah, definitely. Right. But they also it's interesting because they change. A lot faster nowadays and they're less evolutionary i guess i guess you could make the argument that we're evolving in a way to where they are no longer needed but i don't i don't know it's just something i was hung up on and was thinking about yeah that is interesting yeah i guess i didn't really think about that before that's a really good point garrett thinking about how social norms have changed over the years and often, not often, but sometimes we look back at the old way that, that social norms were and people now the norm is to not like that norm. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, you look back and I feel like that's happened a lot in history and I don't know. I, it's a really good point. I, I like that. Um, I had a quick one to think about with the close because sometimes it's not always that you need a lot of people to influence the way you do your habits. You don't need the many every single time. You don't need the powerful every time, but people you're close to often help you shape your habits too. Uh, when I was on my mission, I, to give you some preface, I, I, before I left for, uh, I guess I should clarify, uh, <laughs> when I went on, uh, when I, when I went to go live in Georgia for a little while, um, I had a companion who really loved to run. Uh, he was really into it. He was all about it. He loved getting out there, just really working out and just making, taking care of his body. And with people that I had uh, been living with at the time, like before that, no, I had never lived with people that enjoyed exercise that much. And I'd never really been exposed to it really until I had met him. 
And when I got closer to him and really became better friends with him, we, we ended up running together more. And I ended up being more motivated to run and more into exercising. And I started to develop the habit of running every day and, and joining him on all the exercises he would do. And I don't think I would have ever done that if I had not gone close to, to him and gotten to know him better. And I, I think that's something that we sometimes overlook is that the people we're close to often determine our habits as well. And if I hadn't been close to him, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been able to be into running like I am now or how I used to be. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that was a long winded thought. I hope that made sense. Yeah. But that, that was a good thought. Yeah. I also liked, I do like that he included the, uh, that we follow the powerful people and that we often imitate those that have been successful because the chances are that we will also become successful using their methods. That's also evolutionary. We tend to let the powerful lead us because of what we perceive as, as their success. Um, and we often, if we're friends with that person, we have access to more resources. Uh, and that's still super true today. Right. That's why, you know, you want to be friends with your boss. You don't want your boss to hate you because (laughs) he has power over you. He or she has power over you. And, uh, you don't want them to exercise that power wrongfully, I guess. Yeah, and I I agree with you there. Um, it's it's definitely that's an example of a part of society that has changed drastically in the last however many years. But with the internet and social media, um, I think a lot of us, you know, fitness influencers or something, look at them as as powerful and want to mirror their success in in fitness potentially. Um, and I think social media has given a rise to a lot of different areas where you can look to someone as being powerful, whether it be in their knowledge or their experience or, or money, whatever it is. Um, but I think that's probably a draw in social media as well. Right. um, those people we see as powerful and want to, yeah, and know what they're doing. Right. Well, it's also like this need, this deeper need that we all have to be liked by other people, which goes back to if people liked you and your tribe, you could share resources with them. And now we post on social media and we get these likes, which mirrors exactly what we were trying to do hundreds of thousands of years ago. Um it's just really interesting that our brain has evolved to to almost need to be liked. That's why if someone says something mean or or something you disagree with, you most of us will automatically just put up a wall and fight back because we have that deep evolutionary need to be liked by by those around us. Which is also interesting to me because those on social media, we're not close to them. We shouldn't care, and yet we still do. Right. True. 
think we've all fallen prey to that before yeah. or are currently falling prey to that. But Yeah, that is true. So how do we uh, find and fix our bad habits? Well, you asking me? Yeah, who are you asking? <laughs> well, uh, I mean, that's the title of the next chapter, so <laughs> I'm asking either of you. Well, there's two of us, so you got to single one. You got to say the name. All right, Tanner. <laughs> All, right. All right, yeah. Um, I like what he talks about in this chapter, talking about finding uh, and fixing the cause of bad habits. So he, some things he mentions is you got to figure out where your cravings are coming from for those bad habits, like where where the cue is. How we talked about that earlier. How every spike of dopamine comes with like the thought of the action. I mean, like the, the preparing for the action, not the action itself, and. He mentions um, some of these motives, and I'll just read off a couple of them because I, I think they're all really good to think about. He talks about conserving energy as one of the motives, obtaining food and water, finding love and reproducing, connecting and bonding with others, winning social acceptance and approval, reducing uncertainty, and achieving status and prestige. And he says, basically, a lot of our, our bad habits, a lot of things that the things we're trying to satisfy are often one of these motives. And I think that the key to finding them is taking the time and thinking to yourself as you look at these motives, like, hey, like, what do I do to fulfill this need? What's, what's something I'm doing that I, that could be harmful to me, you know? Um, I'll just like, I, I just think it's very interesting thinking about them because like Christian mentioned earlier, he talked about how some people play video games because they want to achieve the status and prestige. That's like their, their motive that behind the, why they play, which they may not realize is that, oh, like I want to be rank this in this game. Like I want to be so good at this game that no one else can take me on. And that's the way they're trying to have this prestige in their life. And there's other ways of doing that, right? Like you could, you could substitute out something healthier um, instead of doing just video games or, or whatever, just knowing, knowing the cost. That's, that's my summary there. Yeah, and to just to take one of those and dissect it a little bit, the win social acceptance and approval and the habit that a lot of people have to achieve that is posting on Instagram. And I think all of these examples and these new versions of old devices, as he puts it, are, you know, cheap imitations of the real thing. So if you're way addicted to Instagram and you're constantly posting on Instagram in order to see how many likes you get, <clears throat> which I think at this point, most of our society, well, maybe that's not even true. Most of the people that I ever talked to are well aware of how unhealthy that is. I think there's been a lot of awareness brought to that in the last couple of years. But if, you know, what you could do is go out, meet people in real life, Go to community events, school, work, whatever you're doing to, to really get to know people and understand people, talk to people, listen to people, make friends. And in doing that and in being a good person, that's the hard way, but the real way to win social acceptance and approval. As opposed to posting on Instagram consistently just to see how much interaction you get or something like that. And again, posting on Instagram in itself, playing video games in themselves, none of that is is evil or bad. Mm -hmm. But it's the motivation behind it. And I think, again, 
coming to be aware of those cues and those cravings that influence your behavior is there's a lot of power in that. And that kind of connects to the other main idea from this chapter I liked is it kind of gets into the idea of your mindset. And the, the sentence is, you can find evidence for whatever mindset, we can find evidence for whatever mindset we choose. So we can tell, we can say to ourselves, oh, I'm really nervous for this job interview. Or you can say, those jitters I'm feeling, that means I'm excited and my body's getting adrenaline. I'm getting ready for this job interview. Or you can say, I need to go on a run today. Or you can say, it's time to build endurance and get fast is another example he uses. So it's, it's kind of, I think there's a lot of power in that too. Just framing, framing these things that we want to achieve in a more positive light. And I also think that connects to the original idea that we, not the original, but one of the first ideas we talked about is if that's something you really want and you think about it enough, then when you say, I want to build endurance, you'll start uh, spiking dopamine just at that thought. Um, and I think that is a huge part of building that habit is framing it to make it sound like it's something you want to do. And then eventually it'll become something you want to do. Yeah. If that I agree. Makes sense. I just had another thought as well in regards to social media. Not only do these likes uh, motivate us in this deep evolutionary way that we don't even realize it's super subconscious, but you also have people that make money off of social media. And I just think that that would be super addictive because we've replaced this evolutionary need to, to gather and hunt our food with this need to, to make money to buy food. Uh, so I feel like that's twice as addictive for, for people that make their money with social media. That's a good thought. Yeah. It's almost like it's satisfying two different cues that you need, like two different motivations that you need, like one of yeah. gaining money and like taking care of yourself, being your family, all that, but also the need of being socially accepted, like having those both to happen at the same time, I'm sure it would cause a chain reaction of addiction, you know, just like of wanting to do it more. Yeah. I have no evidence to back that up. That's just an opinion. You know, but... <laughs> logical. I mean, I don't know, Gary, I thought you guys made some money off of this podcast we're on right now, you know? Not yet, my friend. <laughs> Not since they blocked us in China. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's where our market was. Dang it. <laughs> so, uh, Tanner. Yeah. You have you've read this book a while back, right? Mm -hmm. Are there any are there any big habits you would say that you either made or, or broke? Yeah, I, I've I've got a few I want to talk about. Um, one thing that I think is. That, that happened with me that I really, I got from this book. I read this book back in December uh, and I, I finished it and we were, me and, me and Sarah were on a cruise at the time. And when we, when I finished the book, there was a couple of big takeaways I really got from it. One being the identity that, I don't know if you've gone to this chapter yet, but um, he talks a lot about, we identify ourselves as things. Like we identify ourselves as I'm, I'm a runner or I like to play video games or I like to... Um, play guitar. I'm a guitarist. Like that. And these identities really shape what kind of habit you want. And like, like Christian said, like it's the mindset thing, right? Like what you decide you want 
is what you're going to end up doing the most. And whether you're consciously trying to do that or your subconscious has already done that for you until you, you take control, it's, it's what happens. And I think that uh, for me, when I finished that book, I realized at the time that I had a habit that I needed to quit. Um, there was a game that I would play and I'd spend a lot of my time on it and a lot of hours. And I really wanted to limit that and to get more control of who I wanted to be and more of my own life. It wasn't that it was so addictive that it was destroying my life right now. It's not nothing that crazy. It was more that I knew I knew I was spending more hours than I wanted to on this habit than than other habits that I wanted to develop. And so in the in the process, one of the things he talks about, I got you guys talk about this in the last chapter, but uh, is to or the last episode is that you need to make things if it's a habit you're trying to break, you need to make it invisible is one of the options he says. And so for me, what I did, and also make it hard to, hard to do. And so what I did is I, I took my PlayStation and I uninstalled the game and then I removed it from my library and then I made it so that I could only download it if I had to like put in my passcode like three times. And <laughs> because I knew how long the game would take to download because it would take 45 minutes to an hour to get it even downloaded and working on my, my PlayStation, it was not worth the time to do that, to get it on there, to only play for like five minutes before I had to go do something else. And so by limiting my time getting on there, it also limited the, it gave me more time for myself to develop habits that I wanted. And it made it so that I could do what I wanted to do. It gave me back my control, if that makes sense. Can I ask which game it is? Uh, sure. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's destiny two is what it was called. So <laughs> I never heard of it. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It's, I it's just a first person shooter. It's, it's a lot like call of duty just with fancier stuff in it. That's all. Nice. I think that's a really good example. You made it less visible. You made it less attractive and a lot more difficult, right? So mm -hmm. you're hitting up a lot of those laws that James that's, lays out. Yeah. That's a really good example. I gave Christian. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to change your identity or your uh, like reprogram your your brain for reprogram my brain for well that's like one of the things how to reprogram your brain to enjoy hard habits oh. did you have anything in mind for that um i don't know if i have one that's probably another thing i need to think about how about I write that one down and report on it next episode? Yeah, I think that's something we should both do. I think there's a couple things we need to report on from the last few episodes, but yeah, we can get we'll that. We'll go through. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to add to this list. I, I want to identify myself as a guitarist. Like I'm going to try to do that. And I, one of my ways I'm doing it actually is I'm making it visible. So I, I took my guitar out of the bag. I put it right in front of our door. So now I can't go into the room until I've seen the guitar. So it's it's nice because I, I having that there, you know, it's it's like what he says, like having it changing your environment is the way to start habits, really. And I'm just gonna try to play like five minutes a day, <laughs> just to just to start. Not that I'm reporting back to you guys. Maybe I'll tell Christian how I did next week. Yeah, nice. I think that's a that's a great start. And yeah, one thing that really resonated with me from that part about your identity, right? That was in the intro section of the book or the first, the fundamentals chapter, I think, section. And it talks about how 
to really develop an identity, you need to win more battles than you lose. So if you want to be someone who, if you want to be a guitarist, you need to play more days than you don't play, essentially. And that's why I liked, Garrett, you changed your goal from six days a week of exercise to four days. And I think four days is a pretty magic number there because that's more than half the days, right? Yeah. I think four is just a great way to start, even if it's five minutes uh, yeah. a day for four days a week. I think it's a great way to start changing that identity, changing any identity that you want to develop. Yeah, I agree. It's a, a good thought. Well, Tanner, any other quickly um, little parts of the book you you <laughs> really influenced you or, or you'd want to touch on before we wrap up here? Really, what I like about the thing that I wanted to just the last thing I want to point out about the book itself, about this author, is he's, I feel like the way he expresses things, the way he talks about things, he's very realistic. Like at one point he talks about, I'm sure you guys are talking about this on another episode, but at one point he talks about how he wanted to eat healthier at one point. He's like, yeah, well, one day I bought myself a whole pizza and I ate the whole thing like that night. And then the next day I went back at it. Like I, I like I've messed up too. I have spots where I don't quite keep my habits. And I think it's a good reminder to ourselves that when we do drop a habit, it's like what Christian said, it's you want to win the war. You don't need to win. You, you don't even win every single battle, but you got to win the majority or like try to win more than half. Cause yeah, there's going to be days where you, you're like, okay, like I, I didn't play the guitar today, or I didn't go for a run like I wanted to, or I didn't do my push-ups between the ads, all that, all the things we talked about today. And I think that's like the, the big takeaway, like what Christian said. So you know, <laughs> dude, it's like an echo, but <laughs> dude, I was sitting on my couch last week and I was like, I need to go work out. It was nine o'clock at night. And I was like, nah. And I turned the TV on. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel you, man. We there's definitely days. I mean, I've already told you on this podcast, like there's, there's a habit I did really well at. And it's now it's been like a month since I've done that habit. So I need to get back at it and start winning my battles again. You know, like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's a process. It is. Trust the process. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for coming on Tanner. Yeah, of course. It's my pleasure. Glad I got to be here. Insight. Expertise. Yes, thank you, Tanner. (laughs) All right. Put that right there. (laughs)